And of course, the reality is that we by nature are so independent thinking. We want to do things our own way. We want to make our own decisions. We want to live our own life. But the Christian can't do that. You're married to the Lord. He is now your husband. He is the one that you must learn to lean on and depend upon and walk alongside with. And so we've got to die to self and to live more and more in fellowship, in a real loving relationship with the Lord Jesus. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, minister, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. We are in between the town of Cloverdale and Langley. So come on out, join us any Sunday, 9.30, for our adult Sunday school hour. Uh, that's our doctrinal class for adults. We have Sunday school classes for all ages, the little ones, for teenagers, and for adults. And we invite you to come and learn the great things of God's truth, those doctrines that every Christian needs to know. Then at 10.30, we have our morning worship service, and we invite you to come and sing the hymns of God's grace and the gospel, to hear the message of redemption. We're coming up to the Easter season soon, and we're taking those great truths of the cross, the blood of Jesus, the way of redemption, God's plan for sinners to save us and bring us home to heaven. And so we invite you to come and join with us any Lord's Day, 10.30 in the morning, and then again on Sunday evening. That's our preaching-teaching meeting. We invite you to come and worship with us any Sunday here at the Free Presbyterian Church. The message today here on the program is Growing in Grace. We're coming to the very end of Second Peter chapter 3, and we have a command, Grow! Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. That's something you're to take seriously, take it to heart, and yes, just grow. Grow up. Don't stop growing. May God speak to your heart through his own precious word today as we let the Bible speak from our pulpit here at the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. In Second Peter 3, verse 17, the Apostle Peter finishes his uh, letter with a warning. Now, warnings are good. Warnings are everywhere around us. They're on roadways, construction areas. They are on high-voltage towers, keep away, danger. Uh, they are on appliances in our homes, furnaces, everywhere that there is potential danger. And of course, we'd only be fools if we uh, didn't acknowledge and recognize the signs and heed the warnings. Likewise, with God's warnings, we would be fools to say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm different. I can just do it anyway. Well, these warnings are here for a reason and for a purpose. In this book, Peter has been warning us about false teachers. He has been warning about those who deceive and who by their lusts or cravings for sinful things will lead people astray. And so we have here in verse 17 this word, beware. 
lest ye also. It is like a danger sign, and it's warning us that we need to take heed. Beware, lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked. Peter is obviously concerned about these people to whom he's writing, and we have learned in this book that he is concerned about his departure by death. He will not be their pastor forever. He will not be in their midst for long. And when he departs, there may arise false teachers who will lead the people astray and cause them to fall. Now, they are in Christ. They are secure. They are rejoicing in the truth, because he says at the verse, end of verse 17, fall from your own steadfastness. So Peter is not pulling the carpet from under their feet and saying, you're going to fall. But to be sure that they do not fall prey to the false teachings, there's one thing they must do, and that is grow. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Now, this growth is not physical, and it's not merely intellectual. It's not merely to gain knowledge about things, but it is growth in the experience and in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. When we are first converted, when we are first saved, we are brought into union with the person and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. But that relationship needs to develop that oneness and unity in the Lord needs to grow more and more. We might liken it to marriage. When a couple are firstly married, well, they come together with all their interest in each other. But as they live together and, and walk together through life, well, uh, as my wife can do, she can probably know me thinking. She just looks at me and says, I know what you're thinking. And it is this growing in relationship, in knowledge, personal friendship, and understanding. And that's the knowledge that Peter is referring to here. Otherwise, we're going to be led astray by the error of the wicked. And that's why I wanted to start the service today with the words of John the Baptist. I must decrease but he must increase. And of course, the reality is that we by nature are so independent thinking. We want to do things our own way. We want to make our own decisions. We want to live our own life. But the Christian can't do that. You're married to the Lord. He is now your husband. He is the one that you must learn to lean on and depend upon and walk alongside with. And so we've got to die to self and to live more and more in fellowship, in a real loving relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now, in our sermon two weeks ago, we covered two things, hindrances to growth, and we looked at five marks of growth, kind of like a checklist to know if you be growing. Now, I would advise you get that sermon 
And you can find that, of course, at our website online. Just go back two weeks, uh, whatever day that was, June 12th, and you can get that sermon in the morning, the first part of this message on Grow. Today, we want to move on to the means of growth. What are the ways by which God has provided that we might grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and in our fellowship with Him? Well, the first thing that we need to do is exercise. Exercise your faith. Faith to be strong must be exercised frequently. It's like those muscles, or at least those wannabe muscles, those muscles that we want to have. And if you don't use those muscles, well, they grow weaker and weaker and soon become unable to help at all. At all. And just as muscles need to grow, so does your faith. So does your fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And here are a few ways by which you can flex the muscles of your faith and that you can grow stronger in your real fellowship with the Lord. Well, the first one is worship. Worship in faith. Now, that sounds very old-fashioned, and it sounds old school. And it is, because Christians have been doing this for hundreds and thousands of years. God's people have been learning how to worship, how to walk with God for generations after generations. And we're not in the business of creating something brand new. If we do, it's suspect. If it's different from what the men and women of the Bible have done, then we don't want it. Worship is old, but it's ever new. And it's something that every one of us here today must fully engage in, or we're not exercising our faith. We're just growing lazy in our profession of the Lord Jesus. Now, this word worship, how do you understand it? I'm sure if we took a poll of people, we would get different answers today, even in this small congregation. What is then worship? We have read in the Bible of people who came to the feet of Jesus, and they worshiped Him. They prostrated themselves, threw themselves down in the presence and the company of the Lord, and treated Him as a king. They gave Him honor, they gave Him respect, and they took the lowly, lowly place. And that's what John the Baptist was getting at. I must decrease, but he must increase. The word worship, just by its dictionary meaning, simply means to lick as a dog. That's the meaning of the Greek word behind worship. And you know, a dog will fondle and it will come along and nudge you and just lick your hands or lick your face. And you know when a dog is doing that, he's warming up. There is a growing fondness and relationship, and there is that respect that is given there. Now, we're not going to do what the dog does. 
But there are ways that Christians demonstrate their fondness, their love, and their faith in the Lord Jesus. What do, how do Christians do this? How do they dis- declare, demonstrate their worship? Uh, we don't actually come to church and get down on the carpet and spread ourselves out as if we were coming to a deity in that posture. But how do we do this in real biblical terms, as Christians have always done it? Well, the first thing that we do is we sing out of faith. Sing with faith. If you turn to Colossians 3.16, we're told about singing spiritual songs, uh, hymns, songs, and various um, methods of singing, hymns, psalms, spiritual songs. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And there is the singing of faith. Now, it starts with the truth, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we sing what we believe. We sing our convictions. We sing the things that we know about our Lord, and we express them in our singing. And that's what makes them spiritual songs, and that is what glorifies the Lord. But singing without faith is not worship. If you sing in doubt, if you sing in fear, if you sing in you know, objection to God, well, it's just mockery. It is not really the submission of heart and mind that is required. But the thing is, we've got to do it. We've got to actually do the singing. This is practical Christianity. We've actually got to come either to God's house or wherever God's people meet, and we've got to take that hymnal, and we've got to actually enter into the singing. We've got to use our own lungs, our own air, and our own talent of singing, whether that's big or small, and we've got to get into it. That is exercising your faith. Now, you always know when you're in a company of people who are real believers and those who are not by the way they sing. I've been to funerals and certain such meetings where there's a lot of people who are not believers and they're not used to singing. And it's tough leading that singing because very few people enter into it. There might be a sprinkling of people who know the hymns and like to sing, but when there's a whole group of unbelievers with no faith, it usually falls flat. And sometimes in church, we have those times when people just seem to not enter into the singing, and we can tell And this is the exercise of our faith. This is the the flexing of our muscles. This is the strengthening of our very life and union with the Lord by entering into this singing. After all, every time you come to God's house, we spend at least a third of the time singing. Take five five minutes per hymn and usually four hymns, There's 20 minutes actually singing. There's a third of the time spent in singing. Why do we do that? Well, we're commanded. That's worship. That's how we exhibit our love and devotion. 
That's how we tell the Lord that we're delighted in his name. It's like the dog licking. It's like the man coming to Jesus' feet and falling prostrate at his feet and showing their delight in the Lord. So they're singing out of faith. Then there's also prayer or praying in faith. Now, anyone can recite a prayer, even the Lord's Prayer out of the Bible, but it may not be the prayer of faith. That could be. For a Christian, there's nothing wrong with saying, reciting, and quoting the Lord's Prayer. The Lord has given it for us to use. But there are some people, of course, who just take that as a rote, and their hearts are not in it, their minds are not in it, they have no real deep thoughts about it, and they just do it out of habit or routine. And we cannot really call that the prayer of faith. Praying in faith is to take God at His Word and really believe in your heart that He is the God that He says He is, and that His promises are exactly as He states them. I read of a young farmer and one hot summer day, he went into his cornfield. He was hot and tired. And in the midst of the weary work, he blasphemed the name of the Lord. And he took the name of the Lord in vain. He cursed the cornfield for being just a mess. It wasn't going very well for him. And then finally, he got to clear the field and to sow and plant and wait for a new crop. But it didn't really come. And again, he was discouraged and downcast and wondering why. His young wife, who was a believer, she said to him, well, did you not say for God to damn that field? So how can you expect something to good to grow on it? And she got the message through to him that God does actually hear, and he actually knows what's in our hearts, and he takes on board our requests. If that is true in judgment, it's also true in worship. As we come to ask our requests of God, God hears, and God responds, and indeed God answers. And as we come to pray on God's promises, those promises are like blank checks, and we're to fill them in and present them at the throne of grace in prayer, believing. This is the exercise of faith now believing that if it is a promise of God, the Lord will hear and answer for His own glory. Hebrews eleven six tells us that he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that seek Him. You can't just pray heedlessly, thoughtlessly. You've got to exercise faith in your praying and then you will be rewarded. And so, here is the way to exercise your faith. Singing. Are you a singing Christian? Then I ask you, are you a praying Christian? That's how we exercise our faith, that we might grow. If you're not exercising faith in prayer, calling on God to help you and bless you and to work in your heart, how will you grow spiritually. The third way to exercise your faith is to hear the live preaching of God's Word. 
Now, here is something that preachers find a bit tricky to preach because it's a bit like blowing your own horn and peddling your own gas here, and I don't want to be seen doing that. But it is true that the live preaching of God's Word is the chief means God has ordained to work in the hearts of God's people to make them grow. And you can, you can make this experiment in your mind. Any growing Christian you know will love the living preaching of God's Word. Now, we're living in an age when there's all kinds of ways to try and learn truth. There's books, there's websites, there's uh, audio sermons, there's all kinds of things. But God has ordained the assembling of ourselves together and the work of the preacher, the live preacher in the midst. Now, why is this? Why is this God's chief way of helping his children to grow? Well, I thought hard about this, and I wrote out a little blurb here that I want to read to you, and I want to just give you what I am convinced is the reason why God uses this means. First of all, preaching is called a mystery. Uh, you read of that in Ephesians 6. It's a mystery. There is something going on in this act of church worship and preaching that is beyond our five physical senses. There is a spiritual realm that we're entering into that God blesses. It is a special work of God's Spirit, first of all, to stir men to preach the Word. And that is God's work. God leads men to the Bible. He gives them stirred in that portion of the Bible, and then they come to expound it with all their heart. And that's like digging gold out of the Bible. And that is the work that the preacher must do. And as you come under the sound of the preaching, you ought to be receiving the very riches of God's grace. Now, furthermore, in this act of preaching, God promises His presence. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, and lo, I am with you always. And where two or three are gathered together in the Lord's name, in the church where the Word of God is preached, there is the special gracious presence of the Lord that He does not promise in any other place. And as we assemble ourselves together and we preach the Word, the preaching ministry is God, a God-given exercise that brings all God's truth, His power, and His presence into play. And we ought to be experiencing that. And we ought to be enjoying the blessing of that. And it stretches our souls, and it stretches our fellowship and walk with God.
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I trust that today the message on growing in grace has been a word just for you. Mr. Spurgeon said that many Christians appear to think that if they are just believers, it is enough. We do not in business think it enough if we barely escape bankruptcy. A man does not say, if his dear child has been ill in bed for years, that it is quite enough so long as the child is alive. We do not think of our own bodies, that so long as we can breathe, it is enough. No, it is vital that we grow in grace. And so we find here in 2 Peter 3.18, this is an imperative. It is a command of Scripture. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I trust that you'll take this to heart and that God will use his word and this mighty means of grace to cause spiritual growth within your own soul today and each day. Keep on growing. Never stop growing. That's the mark of a healthy plant, and it's the mark of a healthy Christian. Stay tuned now with us for these closing announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.